Hello and welcome to episode number 130 of the Chris Not podcast. Right then, um, training at home, not something that we uh, that I'd usually be focusing on the show, but um, is something that in the next few weeks or months is uh, something we're all going to have to upskill ourselves in as coaches, um, understanding the variables that we can manipulate and also what kit is going to be very, uh, available to our clientele. Uh, one man who has not hesitated to really rethink the way he programs for clients um, and the way he structures the programs is James Sutton from The Muscle Mentors, putting out some absolutely awesome content and the way of replicating um, traditional machines in the gym uh, at home with the setup of bands, carabiners and daisy chains. I was really impressed with um, the post that James put up and his, his thought process. So uh, in this podcast, I just wanted to get an idea of how he's adapting his services based on the current situation. Um, the changes he's made to clients' programs, the splits, the nutrition, uh, and the fa- everything that he's factoring in as well. Really, really great speaking to James. He has a wealth of knowledge, um, you know, not from just the exercise and machine mechanics perspective, but also his experience with um, dealing and coaching people. So it's always great to have him on the show. Um, so like I say, this one is uh, very, very in-depth with home training, uh, different things you can play around with, ways of getting a stimulus, whether you can actually build tissue during this time of uh, build, um, training at home uh, and what realistic goals are, uh, and uh, and kind of an impromptu little chat about business as well, which uh, I really, really enjoyed. So um, really, uh, really enjoyed this chat with James. Loads of great content um, that he has to say and things that you will probably find useful as well for training either at home or sending your client stuff as well. Uh, so this is episode number 130 home training with james sutton so from a from a um program design perspective what's been the well, apart from the glaring the obvious what's been the biggest have you, that you've had to change have you had to go completely right back to the drawing board have you managed to keep people structure similar so for example push pull legs whatever that type of thing um honestly i'm i think i'm adapting day by day yeah yeah <laughs> like for when I wrote programs, well, what, a week and a bit ago, now straight away I was like, okay, I'm putting everyone on full body, uh, I'm just going to focus on frequency, uh, and that so it's such an early stage of thinking in a sense what's what's possible. Mm. And as the week's gone by, I'm like, actually no, if I really sort of try and think about this, we can create a challenge for a push workout. Mm. Create enough of a challenge, enough aeration, um, and understanding the basic principles that. As I think I stand by to do a pull workout. Potentially, legs is always going to be that little bit harder. Mm-hmm. Um, so I set people up on programs pretty much last week, or last say Saturday, Sunday, Monday, pretty much full body. But I said, to, even at that stage, I said to them like, "This is just a, a draft copy. Yeah, yeah. See how you run with it for a week. We'll get on a call, chat through things, and review as needed. But I think as the week's gone on, I'm starting to think, well, if they were on a split type program before. I think as long as they've got access to a variation in bands, tension, a variation in band lengths, and potentially some, some dumbbells as well, there's a lot we can play with. Mm. Over the last week, hopefully people have seen just from some of the clips that me and Callum put up, and obviously I'll put up myself, of what's potentially possible to create a, a good challenge. Mm. Um, yeah, for Callum. Yeah, no, because... I've, I've found, watched the videos and uh, they've been very, very interesting. Uh, the leg extension one last night was was um, was really, really good. But the um, obviously the biggest issue with bands is as the the um, resistance is always going to increase as you, as you increase the tension. Yes, it, yes, it is. The resistance on the bands increasing, but remember the torque that we're feeling mm. is always the resistance time that's moment arm to the joint that we're working. Mm-hmm. Like that leg extension example, the actual torque that I was feeling went down as I went through the movement, mm-hmm. even though the band tension. So with the, like the, I talked to that setup if people haven't watched it. But the, for the thing I was talking on the video is that I've gone with a longer band setup. And if we go for a longer band setup and I move through a 10-inch excursion, mm-hmm. proportional to the starting length of the band, I haven't moved that much. So the starting length of that band is a 41-inch band. So I started with some tension. So we'll we'll call it 60-inch style length. Mm. And I've moved, we'll say, 10 inches for easy mass, so I've moved, what, 12% from various style length. And in that 12% change, the tension isn't going to go up drastically. Mm. In the starting position, say there was 40 kilos tension, it might go up to 50 kilos because of the relative small percentage of the change from the start position. Mm. But the moment arm to the knee had gone from, say, 10 inches down to three inches mm. 
So that's dropped by a third. So relatively, if we were to times that 10 inches by the initial kind of moments I use, but the 10 inches by the 40 kilo starting tension, mm-hmm. we've got 400 kilo inches. Um, but then at the end there, if we were to times the 50 kilos by the three inches, then we've got 300. Mm-hmm. So it's gone from 300, sorry, 400 to 300, if I get my maths right on top of my head. So the, the torque actually has gone down, even though the tension of the band's going up. Mm-hmm. So there is ways we can play with this if we've got things available, if we've got longer bands, if we've got things to obviously attach things to that aren't going to move, mm-hmm. um, if we've got different tensions of bands available. So there's, yes, there's ways we can work around it for things like leg extension, for things like pulling movements. Mm-hmm. Okay, so don't don't worry. This is not a advert break. Uh, what basically happened here was I asked James, um, which I should have done before the show. He asked me uh, beforehand if uh, he needs to prep anything. I said no, we'll be fine to uh, ad lib and go as we want. And then I asked James if he could show me some videos whilst we were on the uh, live on air. Uh, well, not live recording. You know what I mean. Uh, and unfortunately, James um, did it. He was brilliant. He talked me through it. But his computer had a few problems where it froze, uh, hence leaving to a little bit of dead air whilst he had to uh, figure out what was. Going going on um, so we got that sorted out and then recommence the conversation from the point you're about to hear my previous maths i think was three inches a bit more mm. than that when it comes down to it um times maybe that 50 um at the end there so on paper we could potentially say we've got 300 kilo inches at the end doesn't matter the units they're irrelevant but the fact we've got potentially 300 torque at the end position but 400 torque at the start position so this, my calculations obviously aren't exact there because I'm just mm. throwing some numbers out to try and give people an example. But it, there we go, I get more extended there. So mm. the line of force gets closer to the knee. So although the band tension is increasing, the tension I'm feeling, the end resistance profile that I'm feeling, um, is going down. Mm. So the magnitude of the band's going up, but the, you could say the resistance profile um, is dropping off. So it's somewhat congruent with what we want for the extension. Awesome. If you just stop the share then, that'd be awesome. That'd be great. So that's brilliant. And and the thing I love about that is um, how um, I I love like the thought process that you've, you've gone in through that. Um, And so again, what would you say is the main kind of reasoning behind the, um, training the single leg like sorry this in a single joint like trying to replicate the leg extension rather than doing like squats or lunges which should obviously a little bit easier to set up but easier to set up but if we're working with a client and we've been training with them for one two three months six months whatever it is and we're thinking just structurally they're potentially not built to squat under load mm. so we're predominantly gone with a bit more machine based stuff a bit more leg press, hat squat, leg extension, whatever it is you've got available mm. because maybe there's someone who's got a longer femur, maybe someone who's got a relatively shorter um, spine yeah. sort of trunk area. So proportionally, we know that if they squat, things aren't going to look right. The bum's going to fly back, the knees are going to go far, far forward. Um, and it's just not going to look aesthetic because of the stuff that's going on mechanically with them and we can't change the length of their femur we can't there's some stuff we can do to potentially make it easier for them but we can maybe have them squatting from a from a skill perspective from a movement point of view to try and improve that but still if i didn't believe they are right to squat under load in the gym the last thing i'm going to do is go against everything i've maybe told them mm. uh, say okay now let's go and get a barbell and let's do some back squats Let's do some front squats or, or something. Mm. Um, so we're still, they've still got to obviously create a challenge. They still want to progress. So coming up with something like this, if they've got the bands available, if they've got the setup available, um, could be a, a great tool. And the fact that we think this is going to go on for a number of months, um, I think a week or two of lighter movements, focus more on skill acquisition, body weight stuff would be great. But if it starts to end up being four weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks, mm. that type of clientele, they're going to need a quote unquote isolation movement, <laughs> get some form of real challenge. I think. Yeah. Terrible pun, but yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, this is, um, 
this is something that we kind of uh, we, we touched on off air, um, which I think was very very important, and it's the um, that thing behind people um, coaches have got to be careful not to compromise their own principles. And with myself being, you know, whatever, whatever I do, like more about, uh, more just, I don't know if it's movement or whatever you want to call it. Um, I was fortunate where I do have a kind of integration of kettlebells, bodyweight exercises as a way of priming for training. But with someone like yourself, who's very uh, machine based, obviously the challenges that you've had to come in this situation have been um, probably a lot more than people with different principles, shall we say. How have you approached pulling workouts, so hamstrings and deadlift movements, hip hinging? Um, so from, I say, an upper body pulling perspective, uh, it'd be trying to set things up with one, either a, a longer band setup. So similarly in the sense of the leg extension, so as you go through maybe a 15-inch excursion from the start to the finish of a, of a row, Mm. that 15 inch isn't a huge percentage of change within the band tension but if you had a shorter band of a 20 inch band and you went through 15 inches and obviously it's almost doubled mm. so the tension with the band isn't a gradual increase once it gets close to its elastic limit it starts really sh- shooting up mm. um, I haven't got a graph of it it's a little bit easier to mm-hmm. see but it, there's almost no tension initially before it sort of start to that limit so if it's a 20 inch band mm. obviously 18, 19 inches there's no tension mm. so the curve is going to start off completely flat and then it's going to gradually grow up and as it gets near its elastic limit it's going to shoot up mm-hmm. so you can just have a very simple understanding of band tension knowing that for a pulling movement we want something that works almost in that mid part let's mm. say like the pushing one we'd want something that maybe gets to the end of that limit to then go up as we're getting to a, say end of a pressing movement so for a pull, it's just trying to choose, let's say, a band or longer bands or even potentially, if you've got enough space, attach two long bands together. So if you attach, I know it sounds silly, but if someone's got space outside, if they've got a big garage or something, you're going to attach two 41-inch pull-em sport bands together. Mm. And then we're only still moving through that same 15-inch excursion. Mm. Then relative percentage-wise, of change from them bands is half than what it would be with one band. Mm. So we're getting less of an increase as we go through the pulling movements. Because obviously, if people aren't aware, through a pulling movement, we get weaker as we go through the excursion. So we're stronger when the arms out straighter, and then we're weaker when the arms flexed and we're in that contracted position. Mm-hmm. So if we can get less of an increase of the band, that's going to help. But then also just knowing as well, I think if you've got, even if you haven't got multiple, multiple bands, if you've got a couple of different tension of bands, working like different sets throughout different ranges. Mm. So doing a set which is a bit with a lighter band, we work more in that contracted position through a full range, but then switch over to a heavier band and work more through a mid to length position. Because mm. under full fatigue, we're I'd estimate forty to fifty percent weaker in the contracted position than we are in the lengthened. Um, and knowing the band tension is going up, obviously that goes completely against what we want. But if we can play with different band tensions and maybe use a big, thick, green pull-on sort one to work sort of mid to lengthens, mm. um, but then maybe one of the thinner blue or red ones to work more in that contracted position uh, could work really nicely. So we break that one set down into, say, two parts. Mm. Um, the similar thing with hamstring curls is just tougher again, obviously, on legs to get in position and set-up-wise. Mm. Um, but trying to get that full spectrum load and it can grow a profile where we're stronger making the band heavier and obviously where we're weaker making it lighter which potentially is possible I'm trying to think of a way at this moment in time to set up a hamstring curl like yeah. I did the leg extension um, which I'm sure a bit of thought would be possible but it's just making sure it's practical as well for people to to do mm. um, but I'll say I'll, I'll have a think about that one and see yeah. what comes in the next few days and um, you know when you're talking about the pulling movements do people obviously need an implement as well so they need a dumbbell barbell or how have you kind of used it as a setup is it purely just the bands um, so when people have got a dumbbell available I've used that but a lot of people might not so especially people who train properly mm. they're probably not going to have 30, 40, 50 kilo dumbbells at home Yeah. if they're doing a single arm dumbbell row that's what they might be using for that 
Mm. Or if they're using the machine, the load on the machine is that's potentially what they're experiencing as they're going through that movement. So the way I would generally set it up is trying to have the band as the predominant resistance and the dumbbell just adding to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I could maybe share my screen again. Yeah, hang on one second. Talk through it. When you're about to share screen, just let me know and I will... Why does it seem that everything wants to crash today? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sorry, I hope you can cut this out. I can either cut it out or fill it with an advert. (laughs) (laughs) Today's podcast is brought to you by The Muscle Mentors. (laughs) Have you got what's the website tagline? Is it www? Yeah, it's .co.uk. .co.uk. Sorry, Sorry? Um, should have planned the shit before we jumped on. Yeah, no, that was my fault. I, uh, I'll try to wing it, but what I'll do is, it'll come back to home because I'll just have to edit these. I'm making notes of when the these um, uh, pauses have gone, so I can just edit them out. Cool. I got it now. Sweet. So we've got a standing bent over dumbbell row. Uh, I think I've got 17 kilo dumbbells there mm-hmm. which obviously for me to do a standing bent over a row isn't going to be enough stimulus mm-hmm. um, but they're just there to add to the potential challenge that yeah I've got the heavier dumbbells I can use but it's more the tension from the band that's creating a lot of the challenge so again I've had a thought process about how I've set it up in this start position we're going to be at our strongest but the dumbbell's not producing any load at all because it's directly below the shoulder mm-hmm. But the band is creating a separate line of force that's got its biggest moment arm at this start position. So similar to the leg extension, even as that band increases in tension, its moment arm has at least dropped in half. Mm. Um, so it's not quite as effective because I haven't quite set it up optimally to get that moment arm through next to minimal like it was on leg extension. But it's still working nicely to give me a good challenge at the start there and having a tiny bit of drop-off potentially at the end position. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the band's more of the challenge than the dumbbell. Now I'm going to step back a little bit mm-hmm. trying to get more tension. But if someone's got 30, 40, 50 kilo dumbbells at home, amazing. But I was trying to come up with stuff where people might have some light dumbbells and they can really use the bands to create a lot of the tension. And then another one, just a dumbbell pullover. Again, like if I was to perform this movement normally, I'd have a lot heavier dumbbell than that. And if we generally perform it, obviously, without the bands, once we get up to that position, that dumbbell is not creating any tension to the lats. And if anything, obviously, it starts to come more to the sort of delts, anterior delts and stuff. Um, but the band is the predominant challenge there. It's just as the band tension drops off there a little bit, because the moment arm has dropped off to the shoulder, that dumbbell kicks in slightly. Uh, and then also on this, a, a nice addition is to work without the dumbbell. Um, and this, again, is where we can bring the lat in more of a contracted position because that reduction in moment arm to the shoulder means although that band's stretching it's not probably getting heavier um so again it uses that thought process of just understanding the setup understanding the position to try and work around a heavier lengthening of the band um it's not necessarily a lengthening of the end result of what we're feeling cool cool stop sharing now um, yeah, so it's like going back to say, the original question that like, if they've got heavy enough dumbbells, then great, I'll use them as I normally would in the gym. Mm. But a lot of times for the people who have had to program wise, whether they're personal trainers, whether they're some general pop clients as mm. well, they've maybe just got a different selection of bands available, a couple of different dumbbells, um, and we've got to try and combine the two in a sense mm. uh, to see what I can come up with that still creates a challenge that I know is appropriate for them. Okay, cool. And what would you say out of the creations that you've come with uh, come up with is the most effective um, squat pattern um, movement so far? Uh, so Luke came up with a great squat one, uh, which needs a bit of DIY, yeah. where he basically did a belt squat, 
Um, but you need to screw into a block of wood to have the band. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, you've got to be confident in your DIY ability. Yeah. Um, but I think it's if we're still looking at squat variations, if you performed, a, I haven't got a video of this one, so I'll try and talk through it briefly. Mm-hmm. But if you perform, again, a bell squat where the, the bands went through into some cuffs mm. and then cuffs, they, they went under your feet, you could still work the thing that the, the bands obviously are pulling ah, down right, between okay, your legs. Yeah. You've got a carabiner or something in between your crotch um, and then some yeah. like belt there. So as long as you trust your equipment, they'll be fine. The, yeah. Them bands are then pulling down and being attached under your feet um, by the cuffs. Mm. That would work well. Um, I'd say it's creating some form of challenge, especially as you come into that standing position. But other than that, I think predominantly with people I've been working more split squats, mm. um, more step-up variations. If someone's got the skill requirements to feel they can do it, then more lunge, lunge variations as well to get the challenge on that. Some clients have programmed things like old-school sort of sissy squats, um, but just understand, I think, that the tolerance we need within the patellofemoral is, is huge to be able to do them type of movements. Like the range they go through is huge. We extend it through the hip, um, so when then we get an ability for the hamstring, the ability for the gastroc to try and help manage the joint as we're getting into that bottom position, mm. uh, potentially reduced the compression from the patellofemorals going exponentially up in that end position. Mm. Um, so just like the, the tolerance for some people to do that, I think it's limited. So a lot of times, I think I put out one person's program, but a lot of times I stayed away from like that to squat pattern variation, which I've seen a few people sort of put out there and do. Mm. Um, but split squats have been huge within my client's programmings mm. so far because there's so much we can work with set up foot position doing front foot elevated adjusting body position adjusting how we're holding it just how we're setting it up and even going back to an, I say an old school step up that mm. when that's done properly when that's done being aware of hip position being aware that you're not using the opposite foot or ankle gastroc calf and stuff to push off then it's actually a bloody tough challenge. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can use some relatively light dumbbells and make that extremely tough mm. um, and create a real quad-dominant focus on that. Mm. But a lot of the other squat patterns that we might do for some people will not be obviously being more, more hip-dominant. Mm. And uh, is it just a classic to increase the challenge to the hip hinge, just put a band around your hips to get your glutes to activate more? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting to see. <laughs> I should have kept a straight face then and watched you go. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, as like myself and Luke and Skinny Guys have done a podcast on yeah. before, we'd spoke about some of the things there. That yeah, it's good from a movement pattern point. It's going to sometimes help with the skill of the movement, having a band pull you back through the hips. But the relative challenge there um, is only down to the your ability to stay upright mm. um, the amount of people that, or the amount of load that we generally need to try and create during that if you're going to have enough tension on that it's going to, the band's going to pull you back or your feet are going to slide backwards if you try and lean forwards mm. um, so I haven't used that so much and what about so a serious question what have you been using for like hip hinge challenges or just people it's fine the way it is really um, so no, I've probably more gone to like, like using bands up around the shoulders mm-hmm. in, in a way uh, that seems to work well. I yeah. program quite a bit of uh, single for people I know who can perform like an RDL movement sort of comfortably. I've programmed quite a few people single leg RDL. Um, I like to form that anyway as a movement that where they hold on, use one hand to take out the instability mm-hmm. balance requirements, um, hold a single dumbbell generally in the opposite leg, so you also challenge that rotation a bit through the hip. Mm. Um, I like doing that as a slightly heavier loaded movement and say you can soon do that with 20, 25 kilo dumbbell and it's as tough as a 100 kilos, 250 kilo dumbbells or something if you're doing it sort of bilaterally. Mm. Um, but yes, yeah, again, it's like the squat pattern as well. We're, we're limited uh, if we've got minimal, minimal kit. Mm. Uh, if you can find a way sort of to set it up with different band tensions great um but it's obviously like the squat one it's tough mm. and the um what would you say from i know it's, it's not saying on the same topic but just kind of uh, uh, it's been an eye 
because uh, we are still early on in what's going on. How have you approached people's nutrition? Like, have you, um, again, we're only one week into it, but the biggest things I've found is knowing what food they're going to have. First of all, what can they actually get the hold of? But then the thing that is like expenditure, obviously everyone is, is looking to go out for walks and get out and about, but expenditure-wise, even that will be limited to to a certain extent. Have you noticed any patterns or anything emerging so far? Um, not yet at this stage, um, because again, last week, like I said, program-wise, I set people up and said we're going to review it in a week and then decide to where to go from there. It's no different nutritionally. If straight away I felt that expenditure was going to drop in half, I've pulled out what I feel the appropriate calories were for that. Um, even with going out with that, that daily walk, if, if there was someone who was active, uh, walking to work, or there's a fair bit of movement, uh, and they've gone to obviously just purely working at home, getting their, pure, their movement just from 45-minute walk a day, mm. that's it, then I've adjusted the nutrition appropriately for that. But um, out, outside of that, I haven't I'm more the fact of, as always, let's see how your body responds and review. Um, out really where I spent more of the focus when we look at that side of stuff is, okay, what's your routine going to be now? Mm. Um, make sure you still have a, be- have a bedtime, have a wake-up time, have some sort of morning routine that you try and stick to, get outside earlier in the day. Mm. So more focus over this last week is just chatting with everyone to have some form of structure there mm. um, rather than delving straight away into nutrition because I think I'll look at that as we go. Mm. and adjust that as needed depends on how they're looking compositionally where their weight's sitting at um, but the more thing I was like well if I can nail down their routine then that we know like, that'll help everything else mm. and did you, have you have you seen any funny biofeedback trends yet? Uh, not at this stage because I'm going to do my check line check-ins yeah. uh, later today tomorrow Wednesday um, so that'll be the first week of reviewing everything well, well that's the funny thing is that I, I um, it'd be great to have people like yourself Luke and Callum to actually look at this from a data perspective but everybody's HRV just went boom last week and everybody's morning heart rate has gone skyrocketed blood sugar so all the actual stress underlying stress markers whether they've whatever they've come back I found what was the biggest one a drop in 20 in HRV I've done on the aura ring yeah. Um, on, av- on average for the seven days yeah. and that's why I've actually drilled into a lot of clients please 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 keep checking the data because actually re- I'm actually really interested in what this is doing to people subconsciously yeah completely yeah yeah and hopefully they'll go through a phase now where things will start to pull back in they'll realize like, the stress of last week yeah. going into it completely everything changing but now in a sense we're in the midst of it I realize yeah actually I can try and get that little extra sleep mm. now I'm not commuting for an hour a day yeah yeah have a bit of extra time to rest or spend with family or friends. I know personally myself, I have more time with, with Jade and my little boy yeah. over this last, say, week or so than yeah. I have had probably all year. Yeah. Um, so seeing the benefits from in that side, then hopefully get a flip the other way and pull it back to what they're normal is, if not slightly improved. Mm. And I suppose this is a bit where we say, um, talking about before, but your training, have you changed anything about it? Um, honestly, I'm still in the privileged position where yeah. I've got like a private facility that I'm going to have to go to. But as we were chatting before, probably by the sounds of what's going on, I think we pulled, so I'm going to be training from home. Mm. But luckily, at home, I have got some kit available. I've got a few random pieces that didn't fit in my studio, yeah. um, as well as some dumbbells and bands. So I've still got a Cybex VR2 back extension, uh, Nautilus Nitro compound row. Um, plus dumbbells and bands and a few other little bits so it says a bit more than what other people yeah. have got uh, so training wise I still think I can get a fair bit done even mm. with that so a lot of the people well first of all I'll ask you the question rather than make the assumption what would you say the majority of your clients are coming to, for you in terms of you know when they come to you they want to achieve this is it vari- a variety or would you say it's, it's mainly hypertrophy um, not so much with Hypertrophy myself, for, for more, say, trainers that I coach online, more want to go through some form of, say, transformation in terms of obviously how they look, but they've mm. got uh, just a, a passion for exercise mechanics. Mm. They want to try and, in a sense, help understand more for their own training, but understand more for their clients' training mm. uh, on the exercise mechanics side of stuff. Um, but along with that, they still want to 
work towards getting in some form of obviously shape, whether it's long-term putting on tissue um, or short-term going through more of a dieting phase. Not so much dieting at the moment, it's pretty much <laughs> I pulled everyone out of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I had a couple of people who are prepping and stuff that I've obviously pulled out of. Um, but no, pre- predominant, like the coaches that I, I coach have more, say, just got nowadays, I've started attracting people, more people who've got a passion around exercise mechanics, um, but still want to learn everything around um, nutrition, lifestyle, routines, habits, and um, everything else that we obviously do as, as coaches. Mm. And so just from a practical, you know, just from, well, I suppose from opinion side of things, how um, realistic or likely is it to maintain muscle tissue during this period um, or even grow muscle tissue? Do you think that's viable? I think like, if you'd asked me that question 10 days ago, I would have said, like, we're just going to have to do our very best to maintain. Mm. But honestly, thinking, depending almost outside the box and thinking of different exercise variations and how we can really be versatile, if you've got a good variation in band length, band tensions, and maybe some small some dumbbells, I always think we can progress. Mm. If you're going to progress in the gym and you've got the, the mindset and intensity and the ability to push yourself in there, there's no reason why you can't bring that at home and progresses. Yes, it's not going to be as optimal as we know what would be in the gym environment. Mm. Yes, you're going to probably be less less stable. And um, we know to really try and build tissue, we need a locked in a stable position to try and take out the skill requirements. And it's then because performing a, a squat as a hypertrophy movement, it obviously is extremely hard, and there's only very few people who can really do that. Mm. Get them locked in on a machine, and a lot more people now have got the ability to do that. So um, it might be harder, definitely from a skill point of view, but I think from an intensity point of view, definitely it's possible. Mm. And we've seen for tens of years um, that bodybuilders haven't got a clue about mm. anything to do with training, really. They've just trained hard and they've built tissue. Yeah. So if we can have still an educated approach about how we're setting stuff up at home, I do definitely think it is is possible. Mm. Yes, certain things might not be quite helpful, but I think it is it is possible. And I've seen even what I've played around last week that you can create movements that can load throughout a full different spectrum of rep ranges mm. um, and create a challenge for six to eight reps for a pushing movement, create a challenge that's 15, 20, 30 reps. And when it comes down to it, we know that as long as you push to failure, whether it's six reps or thirty reps, we can get hypertrophic response from that. Mm. But how would how would you go about progressing bands though? Because that it's not as simple as just putting the pin one stack down the the stack. Is it? Um, how do you progress a band exercise apart from getting heavier bands or move further back? Or yeah, oh, generally I try and progress reps. That's how I'm working with okay. people. Try and keep the setup the same. Mm. If we go and change the setup that can affect something like going back to that leg extension if I go and change my position then I've got to have another plate in front of me to stop me sliding forward yeah. there's something else I've got to think about so once we spent a week or so figuring everything out figuring the positions figuring how we're going to get into the movement figuring how we're going to set it up I'm working generally at this moment in time with, with reps or time mm. on people um, so they go longer time attention potentially more reps obviously with that maybe slowing down the tempo um working on that and then at some point three weeks four weeks five weeks obviously however then i may adjust things set up wise to create more band tension mm. uh, just stretch the band in the start position and, and work with that but at this moment in time i'm um, just focusing on see where we can get improvements in reps or longer mm. um, time working and it, it does it's a very like archaic way of training should we say but would you then look to start maybe going into isometrics pre-fatigue post-fatigue um, again, just looking at it from a progressive perspective, if we just want lactic acid build-up? Yeah, definitely. And a lot of the videos that myself and Cal put out and our thought process initially around it was let's put pre-fatiguing isometrics in there, mm. um, holding that static position and ideally in sort of the mid-range for 60 seconds, 90 seconds, two minutes, and then going into something movement-based. Mm. Um, and obviously that's, that, I think, a great way to... Um, really get some good intensity out of this, mm. even if you've got minimal bands to, to play with. Mm. And um, has there been like a 
so like a common type of question or common concern that everybody's had with uh, had um, with yourselves or what what clients been tending to ask of you is the main thing just see what equipment they've got. But um, what I'm trying to say is that have people been able to get the equipment in because what I noticed is is that so many people try to order stuff, but there's just been an influx of you know equipment. Yeah. Oh yeah, if you're on it last. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, yeah. and then you got all the stuff. But any clients I was speaking to a little bit later in the week who hadn't been able to order stuff early on, they're like, I can't get anything, nothing's yeah. available. Um, so, yeah, so I'm, I'm hoping things come back in stock for them, them people who haven't been able to get hold of stuff already. Because mm-hmm. uh, I think, yeah, everyone's trying to get the same things mm. at the moment. But if it comes back to, yeah, they've only got one resistance band that they've had 10 years ago at home and some five kilo dumbbells and we've, we've got to make clear we've got to look at isometric hold we've got to look at blood flow restriction mm. uh, and we've got to look at slowing things down more time and attention um, if they've got anything like a stationary bike at home mm. use that to create a fair challenge to the knee extension quads glutes um Use that as a even as a loading type movement. Get the resistance up on that. Focus on the contraction while performing the extension on a bike. Mm. Um, so again, it just comes down to what they've got available and seeing in a sense what we can think of and come up with. Mm. And if if somebody was to have, uh, if we do tiers of limited budget, say hundred to two hundred pound, a little bit more, five hundred pound, and then you know if anybody did have you know whatever budget how would you go along uh, in terms of priorities and necessities that you want people to purchase i think the, my, the first thing would be the bands yeah because i honestly think there's more we can do with bands than dumbbells mm-hmm. um, when we start looking at manipulate in the talk that we're going to feel mm. um i think the sort of band bands that little bit more versatile so but with that you do need different tensions and different lengths mm. Um, but my bands would be the, the go-to that invest in £100 on a couple of different length bands, a couple of different tension bands. Along with that, some D-handles, carabiners, and some form of daisy chain or something to start attaching them to whatever you've got. It's a solid object that's not going to move or yourself or whatever it is. Mm. And then from there, look at something dumbbell-wise that's appropriate for what they think they can sort of go up to load-wise. Obviously, if you've got variations in weights, then that'd be great. Um, but something, obviously, dumbbell-wise. Um, barbells, I probably wouldn't bring them them in. Mm. Uh, Are you allowed to say that as a muscle mentor? Pardon? Are you allowed to say that as a muscle mentor? <laughs> the word barbell. <laughs> it's the, if they've got somewhere to, like, if they're doing a bench press... Are you allowed to say that as a muscle mentor? <laughs> <laughs> But like, if they're doing, say, a barbell bench press, how are they going to get in position? Have yeah, they got a budget to then buy something to take a rack, to yeah. half rack? Um, we're not going to try and get 100, 150 kilos on their back. Yeah. Just practically, yes, they might be able to do deadlift, hip hinge, RDL-type movement, mm. bent over row, but that's probably it. Mm. Like everything else, we need something to help them get in position. Mm. Um, so that, like the, as I say, the, the bands would be my first, the dumbbells would be the second. Definitely within the middle there somewhere would be a bench. Mm. If I've got something to lock in and stable to, be stable with. Um, and then maybe barbells, but I don't know what, like for, for a grand, I know it's a bit more cost-wise than yeah, you jumped yeah. up, but looking at a cable. Mm. Like if you go and get an Olympic bar with a number of weights, you're going to be spending 500 quid plus or something anyway, I'm sure. Um but like the versatility of things you can do with a, a good cable system is going to be, um, I think, a lot more than what you could potentially do with an Olympic bar. If you're someone who's not highly skilled at their movements, if yeah. you're someone who's highly skilled at them and you've been performing them for year on year, then that's that's different. Um, but if you're someone who hasn't, who can't squat comfortably and bench comfortably, and you're going to look at trying to ways to set that up, um, then honestly, I think like looking at something like a, a cable system is, is going to be potentially the next best option. I'm just on Amazon now to see if you can find a cable system and what the weight is and how much they've gone up in price by. Yeah. The, the, the weights for some of the kit is like six weeks or something. That, uh, oh, like, it is that, yeah. Crazy for that type of thing. Um, yeah, I'd like to say is that 
Um, it just depends on on what the way you trained before. I think the biggest goal really is just to replicate um, the systems that you were using prior, which is why I think you, you Luke and Callum uh, and Ryan, obviously, have. Um, I think you've gone to a tremendous effort, which I've really, really uh, been impressed by, to keep your clients training sessions within the principles that you uh, really really value um, because I think the temptation nowadays or well in this circumstances oh yeah just took a load of reps 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 and I've done some fun workouts with burpees for people but I just say look this is expenditure this is not yes, challenges yeah. it's, it's expenditure so I've been very um, very impressed with that and I think that have you found it almost semi enjoyable maybe not that far but fun to kind of really have to think about this, uh... Oh yeah, no, after getting over the stress of last, say, Saturday, Sunday, when they're thinking, shit, how many programs I've got to write? Yeah. In space? <laughs> 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 um, but no, even <coughs> last week when I started thinking, okay, I've wrote some programs, got people on a base set up, yeah. now really how can I try and optimize stuff? Because that's, like, for me, that's personally what I love within the exercise mechanics, trailer side stuff, mm. is not just creating stimulus, but how can we really optimize that stimulus for everything that we want in terms of optimal skill requirement, optimal joint alignment, optimal obviously resistance profile to strength firm, optimal ability to contract throughout the whole range. Mm. So it's this last, say, four or five days when I start to actually sit sit back, have a bit of time to think, well, how can I play with the minimal tools that we've got mm. to try and get the most most out of it? Mm. Um, so no, I've, I've felt it sort of helped me and I've enjoyed this last little bit. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, initial three days like, shit what's gonna yeah. happen yeah and um so just I'll give us a second i'm gonna get this bit um so obviously one of the 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 last podcast we did was extremely popular uh, we got one of the best responses i've had from a podcast um because obviously you're very experienced in in the working with the general population but then have like graduated onto this um exercise mechanics kind of wizard or the uh don't know the best terminology what was what, yeah no, 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 I, I love i loved going and attending the courses and watching you talk about it because you, you start to smile more the further you get into it machine analysis <laughs> and um i, I really love that because you can just see how much you enjoy it but um going back to the point is we've spoken about you know the clients that you have which gen- generally tend to be coaches we've spoken about the um you know how you've changed their programs if you were coaching a general population client and you were going back to they've been hit by this, what are your steps in terms of uh, program design again, nutrition? Um, if you for the either one to one clients who suddenly have to become online or your existing online clients. So I'm still in the scenario where I do coach general pop clients. Mm-hmm. Um, I say they're the, generally the ones that I do a bit of face to face with. Yeah. So um, I've had to go through this obviously like last week and just everyone around and mm. that's where I did straight away put everyone even if someone was on a bit of a split um, I put them straight onto a, a full body program mm. um, because knowing that they're probably not going to be the trainer who's going to go out of the way to get hold of 10 different bands loads of different yeah, tension yeah. length and all that I get all the carabiners the daisies everything that they might have one or two things so I've just had to try and keep it simple as possible and knowing that rather than trying to Explain to them that it's yes, you might want a lot of variation within your training, but we're going to be limited. Mm. So there might just be split squats and step ups. Mm. There might just be um, something where we're performing a single row movement, a pushing movement, so some form of push up that we feel is appropriate. Um, if they've got some sort of band or a lighter dumbbells, more for higher reps for rowing. That there might be an exercise pool of eight, ten exercises. And they're like, okay, look, we're just going to focus on these key ones. Mm. Um, you might be seeing other people doing these other fancy things, but just with what you've got available, with what I feel you can perform from what we've gone through, obviously, in, in person, I don't feel it's optimal to get them in. Mm. So it's just explaining them that we've got to nail down these couple of key ones. And I might bring in, I think as I mentioned before, some movement-based stuff to work on a skill of a squat pattern. Yeah. But that's a bit more from just expenditure. That's not really a, trying to really create a challenge. Mm. If they haven't done lunges with me in the gym because I feel the balance was a bit of an issue or something for them, I didn't have the, the coordination or the muscle control to be able to contract out that length and position as they step into a lunge, then I might say, okay, let's just work on the skill of this for these next three, four weeks. Mm. 
um, but you're only going to use them other couple of movements to really challenge yourself uh, to try and create a stimulus from that. So from the training perspective, it's just saying that we're going to try and hit things frequently. They're very likely got the time. So I've taken people's training up so that general pop client that might have been training three, potentially four days a week, I've been trying to this last week, get them on to five, maybe six days a week. Mm. But knowing that most of the sessions are 20, maximum 30 minutes. Yeah. Um, and obviously they've got their walk, they can get in. And nutritionally, it's no different from the trainer. Mm. Uh, if their expenditures come down drastically, I'm going to pull their calories down a little bit, but if it hasn't changed, changed much, then I'm just going to review their data review everything, and then go through, obviously, everything, sort of jump on a call, go through a checking-wise with them, um, assess stuff from there. Awesome. And have you found people's um, motivation and where they had been at um, in the past week, the people that you have spoken to? That's the biggest thing, I think, for, for the general pop client where I've had to focus a bit of my time is mm. making sure they're in a good mental place because I had a, a few clients who business-wise they've slept three, four hours a night, worked 80-hour weeks because just things have been turned on their head. Mm. Um, so for them, it's like it's obviously completely different in terms of their focus, whereas the, the trainer, they're all they're thinking about, oh, I've got to make sure I can get an adequate training session in and stuff like that. So it's, it's knowing where their, their priorities are at. Mm. But like the, the mental side of stuff is sort of the key thing to make sure okay let's just keep that morning routine there let's keep a bit of a structure in the evening make sure you're not suddenly going to bed two hours later mm. you know um, give them positive books to read or things to look into stuff like that give them the suggested reading suggested things to do to just try and keep their mindset in a good place daily mm. um, but the mindset side of stuff has been key especially for that general pop clients mm. So, uh, what is it, Monday now, been, it's, um, so we've had the first week, and even myself, last Monday and Tuesday, I was generally just feeling a bit under weather anyway, but I think that kind of big, like, realisation about what's going on, and like, because you kind of, I, I turned a blind eye, so it's like, oh yeah, that'll never happen, that'll never happen, then when it happens, you're like, oh right, okay, has actually yeah. happened, and um, you have a couple of days, but psychologically, the best thing for me was just to basically recreate my exact schedule that it would be for work, but just replaced when I was in work with different things. Yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah, and that's like such a simple thing that obviously I know you do. I say mm. I'll do a map out, but a lot of people we know still don't do that. Mm. Uh, give it a structure of the day out, the structure of the week. Have you got that mapped out ahead of time? Yeah. Do you know where you're going with everything? Mm. Because they might have had that structure just being implemented to them from work, other routines. Mm. But as soon as they've pulled that out, they get home and they're like, oh shit, what should I do? Yeah. So, and it's completely lost. Yeah. Uh, so giving them the clarity of what they're doing today at each hour and mapping all that out, what they're doing throughout the week, um, that's huge. And if any trainers listen to this, aren't doing it one on themselves or doing it with their clients mm. and going through that, then that itself is going to be a massive sort of benefit. Mm. And and keeping people on track nutritionally, like in terms of, you know, whether regardless of what macros are, whether they go up or down, I think it is essential that you say, nope, you still, like, I've, I've, I've said to everyone, have that, have that week or have those few days that you need to, to just, you know, deal with the stress, the spike of it. But then I was like, nope, it's Monday, Monday, we're back on diet, we're back doing everything. It is exactly the same as we were pre, you know, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, completely. And um, with yourself, because this is, I think this would be uh, an awesome one for coaches listening. Um, I think that personally, as, as personal trainers, we've got a million things that we want to do. And I'm sure you can relate where you've got to train clients, do your check-ins, train yourself, study, content development. And there's just an absolute minefield of all these things that are going on at once. And the biggest factor is not having time. And especially with yourself, who's got a family and you've got to look at family time and all these layers on top of it. Time is the biggest factor. Now, time is the, is, is the most abundant thing you've got. Have you, first of all, found it hard to get your head around that? And secondly, how are you structuring content development, studying, and actual work? I think like, for a lot of, depends on how people's businesses are set up. Mm. Um, for myself, I haven't had any more time really there's been a little bit extra time I've just spent probably with my little one um, mm. but I've focused my time obviously in other areas mm. 
although I've not been able to do any face-to-face PT, uh, I've really got a lot of content together um, for the website, and I'll be sort of trying to just edit stuff I'd recorded but not pulled together and edited before. So I've used that the last last week or so. So it depends on the person's business, mm. I think, and how things are set up, whether they've got that sort of time time available. Mm. And if you were like coaching or giving a bit of advice for one-to-one PTs, not with the online ones, what would you say would be the best way to spend the extra time that they've got now? Obviously study. Sign up, Sign up for the muscle man. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I wasn't actually leading you into that, but yeah. Yeah. No, honestly, I think that personally, the, the thing I did with my one-to-one clients last week that might be too late to give this a bit of advice now mm. is focus on retention but don't straight away focus on, well, how can I transition this face-to-face client into an online client? Mm. Because it's not like, yes, you maybe need obviously a little bit of money behind you to make sure you can survive for a week or a month or so. Mm. If you show them clients value now Mm. and you set up a free support group, WhatsApp messages, if you constantly stay in contact with them, if you show them more value than they've you've ever shown them before mm. when things go back to normal 100% they're going to come back to you because yeah. you're still the trainer that they know they trust they're not trying to almost take advantage of you during this time but sometimes I think that this, the trainers this time are straight away from inverted how can I get everyone online how can I start doing virtual training with everyone how can I try and get everyone who's doing face to face into an online business model mm. whereas like yes that's not I'm not saying that's the good or a bad thing at the moment but at this stage, just the more value we can give that client without charging them, the more long-term that's going to come back to reward us tenfold, I think. Mm. And so that's, for me, the key bit of advice I'd say to a client, which I know doesn't help short-term from a revenue perspective, mm. but will pay off long-term because like, then clients will trust you so much and they know that you stay loyal to them during this, this tough time because you've gone out of your way and have more contact with normal. Mm. You've set up some different support groups. You've got different good things going on to try and show them more value rather than straight away thinking, I've got to charge them for this. Mm. Which, the longer this goes on, we're more obviously we're going to need stuff like that in place where we've still got revenue coming in. Mm. Uh, but that comes back to the thing, yeah, hindsight's a great thing, but it's back to the thing that all of us need to look at finances, money coming in, money going out, and make sure we've all got a little bit saved. Mm. We never know what's going to happen. Mm. where so many PTs just spend so many people in general mm. to spend week to week when I was speaking to someone yesterday um, they, um, uh, Matt Kendrick he owns um, MK Health Hub where we're going to run our education out of and he said a lot of coaches that he spoke to um, or even a lot of people who run studios and businesses they just run month to month they mm. could only literally go one month without before they're going to go bankrupt mm. they just haven't got the, the cash available to, to last more than a month, six, eight weeks max. Um, as, as trainers, our overheads obviously have a lot less than normal businesses who've got studios, so we should be able to go a few months at least um, without straight away being bankrupt. Mm. We should have hopefully been in, in that position. Well, it's, as, as much as it sounds like a, um, a self-plug or whatever, it's, it's the thing that... Um, I would go on ad nauseum in the book, the, the, the trading book, is that like it's not your money. The money that you earn is not your money. That's your business's money. Yes. Pay yourself minimum wage. And I got, and that is literally, well, if, if you think that, that is just the reasons behind that and so forth. And, you know, don't get me wrong, I, I'd like to get back to work as soon as I possibly can. Uh, if I could go back, you know, um, next week, like everybody you would do. But, the the principles have allowed me to not be as absolutely scared as a lot of people will be um but i think the positives is that that's why you've got to know your books and your finances ironclad because not only are you not going to be earning money but also equally you're not going to be spending money so then you've got to see where your profit and loss is and then how you can make it completely not passive but how you can get those the um the non-expensive um expensive profits such as online training i could slowly build that yes yeah completely and Um, it's going off on a bit of a tangent but um looking at back in the day when he's reading rich dad poor dad yeah 
and books like that. I'm sure you've, you've read yeah, yourself, yeah. but if you understand your finances, you understand um, what's going in, what's going out, mm. and like, have you got on a spreadsheet all your money coming in, your money coming out? Have you got on a spreadsheet like the money you've made over the last five, ten years since you've been running a personal training business? Mm. I have coaches got all this this mapped out so they know exactly what's coming in, what's going out, um, and they know how long could they go without uh, with something like this happening and straight away income potentially being pulled. Mm. Um, if they've been in the industry a while, have they looked at other avenues of investments? Mm. I, I know obviously as trainers, I'm not necessarily going to give advice on that, but mm. at some point in time, the longer you get in the industry, the more you need to be thinking um, of have you got other things that you're investing in that are helping with the, the revenue stream. Mm. And it, again, it is, I know, I know it's not exactly on the topic we were discussing initially, but I think people will definitely value it for someone of, of your stature, but it is that kind of massively overlooked area in, in, in being a coach. And, and it's exactly why it's so important is for times like now. Um, Cause you say, like you said, hindsight's a wonderful thing and it's like, hate to tell you, to, uh, say I told you so, but I think one thing it'll teach a lot of trainers is that you need to have a business mind just as much as a knowledge, knowledge mind, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And like, when it comes down to it, understanding finances, understanding business, in a sense, we could say it's, it's more important than the knowledge because without that, yeah, you can't give your knowledge to your clients because you're not going to be in business to do it. No, that's, that's exactly it. It's 100% the point is that if you can't get people through the door and to stay with you, the knowledge is almost, not. it's not irrelevant, but it's not as important as you may seem. So um, it's got to be that two-way system. Have you, um, what, what came with it in your career? Was that something that just developed over time and that's what's led to the longevity? Or is that something you purposely invested time in, um, you know, you read up on in order to develop? From the business, business, yeah, business perspective. Um, I think it's just something that I've just tried to look into as a side thing over time. Mm. Um, someone growing up never had um, huge amounts of money within my family, mm. so, so it's something I always thought, like, well, what's what's possible? And I think for me as well, that the more I've trained general pop clients who have got good money, mm. the more you start to pick their brains a little bit. Yeah. Mm. Uh, the more they start to sometimes give you a little bit of advice about what's sometimes what's possible and what different options, mm. um, which I know some client or some PTs aren't sort of directly in front of um, sort of clientele who have got multiple businesses, brought and sold businesses, work sort of different high powered jobs and stuff, so they can't actually tap into that. Um, but it's something that I've just read up on myself over the, over the years to try and make sure that financially. I'm in the best place possible and um, having a good accountant. Yeah. It's obviously always, always helpful. Um, but no, it's, it's never something that I've directly studied and I wouldn't say I, I know more than a lot of people should do at say my age about it. Mm. Just common sense, really. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I think if, like, if you're someone who likes structure and routine, mm. then we like that structure with everything we do training-wise and nutrition-wise and that's no different with finance-wise. Mm. There's no different with managing money. Mm. Well, like for myself, as someone who was like obsessed and probably still is with strength training and numbers, and I know it's like, it is what it is. I know the, the limitations behind it, but it is just something I love, like strength training, is that having figures, and for me it was the percentage each training session makes me. So obviously like the amount of sessions that you do versus the amount you charge versus the amount that the gym takes, having that yeah. number, which I can see, it's like progressive overload, like I need to be, I need to be, I need to be and chip away. Like, right. You know, like you're adding, you know, you'll know this back in the day when you used to squat and deadlift. It's like adding the, you know, the 0.5 little biscuits on and you, you think, right, if I do that, I'll be squatting 300 kilos in six months and the, all that type of thing. But I think that is the importance of it is that is that financial prog progressive overload where you're just chipping away and actually seeing it. And um, it's like the, it's the holy grail where bringing down your outgoings as well as improving your income gets that gets you more into the green and it's why it's so important for times like now so you know i do think this will pass you know however long that is i'm very very confident it will pass and things will resume in time i don't know how long that'll be but there's some incredibly valuable lessons i think people will learn from this from from a financial perspective yeah i think it is going to separate 
um, the good PT from the yeah. shopping one. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that if you don't provide a good level of service, if you haven't got even just good rapport with your clients, if you haven't got good systems in place, if you haven't taken care of your finances, mm. you're going to get a month in and not be able to continue in this industry. Yeah, yeah. Um, potentially, so there are going to be a lot of shit PTs that are soon going to wean out, I think. Mm. Yeah. Right then. So um, to finish off, um, let's talk about website. How long has that been up? Uh, we've been up and running now, I think it's about eight weeks. Eight weeks? Or so. uh, subscription-based website uh, with content, I say, ranging, obviously, exercise mechanics, something that I look into mm. a lot myself. Then we've got uh, courses on sleep, courses on the gastrointestinal system, courses on hypertrophy, courses on female physiology. Um, there will be going up a comprehensive exercise library on there and one of our ideas with that is to trophy have that every type of machine in time that you can think of we spoke through so whether it's your in ones at the moment your prime your, your watson your, your primal strength your cybex your nautilus mm. whatever, or whether it's just the machine you find in pure gym yeah Right. or in your version, your David Lloyd's and stuff like that, that we want to make sure that we've gone through. So any trainer can go on there, okay, and I work in Pure Gym and it's got this type of kit. Mm. Let's go through and we've spent some time talking through the good points, the bad points, what potentially you need to do to maybe adjust stuff and change things. Mm. Um, so that's not there yet, but in time, like that's what we will have. There'll be a small section of exercise analysis or machine analysis stuff going up very shortly, and then we'll just keep adding to that once we get back in the gym yeah. this is old stuff we recorded previously mm. um, but I say once we get back into the gym then we'll keep building building on that so, so it's an education portal that's trying to just give PTs as much value as possible mm-hmm. um, rather than taking them sometimes through um, say a I'd say a high level course but it's still trying to be at the depth of a high level course but still at a, a lower price point and how much is it a month? Um, it starts at 40 or just under, I think it's like 39 50. Um, it starts at 40 pounds a month for the sort of base tier one. Yeah, 39 50 a month for the tier one. Tier two is 59 50, um, and that includes like a live QA call with them, sort of the muscle mentors each month where we, any direct questions you've got, a bit more contact you can have with us to um, sort of go through stuff. And then we've also got a higher tier three as well where it'll set you weekly tasks. Um, and they'll be reviewed um, so we can send the same content is there but it's that accountability the fact you've got to go and do this X task this week and then get it back to us and we'll review it brilliant awesome and now and how long has it taken I'm right in saying that's more is it yourself and Luke or is it everybody jumping in uh, we're all jumping in Luke's doing a, a good chunk of the stuff around sort of sleep, hypertrophy, mm. uh, stuff. Cal's doing um, stuff on female physiology, mm. Ryan's doing the gastrointestinal system, and then I'm doing a lot of stuff on the exercise mechanic things, and Luke will help out a little bit on that, because the exercise mechanic side stuff will be a, a huge part of it. Um, so that's sort of a big thing, I think, within the industry at the moment. Mm. And, um, and how long did it, like, take you to put this together how long has this been in the pipeline uh, the thought has been there for, for a while yeah um, but like honestly we'd, we'd had something put together last year um, and we just didn't feel it, it worked so Luke actually went away and built the website himself <laughs> so <laughs> um, after some talks with, with Michael Gordon and given advice on some uh, I think different types of software to use when he went and basically just built the website himself <laughs> So from Christmas, we started to slowly get stuff stuff on there. Mm. Um, and then like the way we've worked it, honestly, um, is not to put it out there with 100 hours of content. Mm. We have to put it out there with, with 20 hours of content mm. and then build on it as we go. Yeah. Um, and just to get feedback from some people on there, but to make sure that there's 20 hours of content, but it's all content that you've got to review, you've got to really study and look at. Mm. There will be training videos on there where we'll talk through what we're doing training-wise, but it's not just you watch it on the side while you're cooking your tea. Mm. Uh, it's like educational content on there, so it takes that a little bit longer for people to, to get through. Um, and then moving forward, we'll just keep obviously adding to it month by month as we go. 
Because mm. from a from a study perspective, I think that that environment and the way you take things in has got to be is really really key. So, for example, if somebody's trying to learn something, they sit down and today's task is to spend half an hour on machine mechanics or a machine's mechanics and get it and write it down and watch the video over and again. With learning, you can't necessarily do right. I'm going to do two hours of the website today to almost complete it. It's not like a video game. You've got to really take this stuff in. That's just yes. from my perspective, like a practical yeah. learning. Yeah, definitely. And within a lot of the courses, at certain points, um, there is little sort of tests that people have got to do to uh, not necessarily move on to the next section, but they've got to try and obviously get a certain amount correct, get a certain pass rate mm. to feel like they've accomplished it and they know it, and then progress on from there as well. So, yeah, definitely, it's it's going through reviewing stuff, writing notes to make sure it really sits in. So yeah, that last bit at the end was really, um, really, really interesting for me, and it's great to get James's point uh, point of view and his perspective on, um, you know, business and studying and that type of thing. Um, and obviously, it is a very different time for a lot of people. And it's going to require a lot of adaptation. Um, I think it's been brilliant how James and the rest of his Muscle Mentors team have applied themselves in so quickly utilising different methods, especially for people who do really heavily rely on machines uh, for a stimulus. Um, regarding hypertrophy, uh, the way they applied themselves has been excellent. And it was just, it's just for me, regardless of whether someone's talking about movement, core stability, bracing, machines, kettlebells, uh, barbells, it doesn't matter. When somebody has a wealth of knowledge and is just as passionate in a topic as James is about machine mechanics, they're just great to speak to and everything has its place and everything works given you do it right and given you do enough persistence and patience so um yeah i was really really enjoyed that and found it fascinating when he talked me through um, his thought process because immediately for me i was thinking well bands are going to increase in tension and the obviously the more you pull it and the more you're taking it to the end of the elasticity and but the way he smartly set up the um, moment arm drop off uh, based on what he was looking to train was was really really uh, smart of him to do um, going on to the business side of things, obviously that is a very uncertain th- thing at the moment. Um, what I have done is with the 5x5 five five rule book, which I mentioned in the podcast, uh, I have half the price of that book for any personal trainers who are looking to um, learn more about business during this time. Um, you know, This is just you know me speaking openly about why I wrote the book. It wasn't really from fin- a financial perspective. Um, you know, Financially, the book does not make a great deal of money. It's not for something in that aspect. It is purely to upskill trainers um, in how to run finances, business uh, business targets, and, and learning how to save. And I'll be very truthful: the um, the teachings uh, in that book I have lived myself, and I am just so so grateful I, I have had these um, systems in place for a moment like this, um, because um, you know being astute with money um, has made um, a difficult situation better for me. And I'd hate to think um, what some people going through if um you know if they haven't had the money there so it is it is something that in being truthful i honestly want to make sure that all personal trainers who want to stay in this industry for a long period of time uh, do read the book the reason why it was 25 pound is because it took a tremendous amount of effort uh, to put in that's why i felt the book was worth um however during times like this i appreciate um that you know a lot of personal trainers and coaches won't be earning um on a regular basis, are scared about the income, which is why I have half the price. It is taking about five to six weeks to people to get uh, to get to people. Uh, however, it's not an offer. I will be keeping the book at that price. So, um, you know, if you are worried about uh, how to run a, a business model and a structure and, and uh, how you should be planning for the future, I really have to recommend that book because I do think it will help a lot of people. Um, if the things that James spoke about in this podcast really, really interest yourself, um, make sure you check out www.themusclementors.co.uk. That's where you can find all the stuff that James spoke about at the end of the podcast there if you're interested in their tiers and what they have to, uh, what they provide from an educational standpoint as well. Um, so, yeah, always have great to speak to James uh, and he's a fantastic guest. Really, really enjoyed the content there. Loads more content coming out very soon. Um, I'll also be putting more interactive uh, study groups on via Zoom for people who want to um, do uh, brush up on their anatomy um during this time so yeah they want to stay interactive with all the people who've been uh, loyal listeners over the years anyway that's enough for me speak to you very soon thank you very much for listening stay safe have a brilliant day